Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by the Google Assistant. The Google Assistant is ready to help you get more done with just your voice in the car, at home, and everywhere you take your phone. The Assistant is really helpful when I'm driving. I can just say, hey, Google, take me to the nearest coffee shop. The directions are pulled up right on my phone, and I have as much caffeine as I need running through my veins minutes later. A little help hands-free. Just say, hey, Google, to get started. Today's episode also brought to you by State Farm. Just like basketball, the game of life is unpredictable. Talk to a State Farm agent and get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected and help you handle whatever life throws your way. Unpredictable like since a 4-1 start, the San Antonio Spurs have lost 6 in a row and 8 of 9. Get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. Talk to a State Farm agent today about combining your home and auto insurance. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Varnan, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from the Ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, aka Kevin O'Bomber, aka Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Croissant, Kevin Opinionated, Kevin. Verno, what's going on this morning? Well, uh, I understand you had a late night watching a Paul George game winner. Yes, I was at the Clippers Thunder game last night, of course. Still no Kawhi. That that may wait until Wednesday night for George and Kawhi to play their first game together. But George, once again, had a, had a really nice game for the Clippers. What's the word around there regarding Kawhi? Because I'm sure you, as, as you're there, um, walking around, talking to different people, is there anybody nervous about Kawhi? Because this is three games, right? Well, last night, for what it's worth, I was there as a fan. I, I went with my friend uh, Joey Dosick, um and watched the game from from the stands. It was fun. So Going you have in, no idea? You know, the, no, no, no <laughs> idea. No idea. Just because the last night I was not walking around through the tunnels. Uh, I wasn't dapping up Lawrence Frank or anybody like that. <laughs> out of out of curiosity, out of, out, of, out, of, out of curiosity, did you buy tickets? Uh, Joey did last night. Yeah, I'm just interested in how much they were. I don't know. I didn't buy him. <laughs> oh, he bought it. He bought him. They, 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 they were off. I think, you know, one of those secondary dealer sites, Seat geek, stub hub. Who knows? There you go. Were your seats pretty good? Yeah, they were good seats. Yeah, there you go. But, I mean, the Clippers games, Clippers games aren't like Lakers games. We touched on this I last week. I understand. You know, Have it's, you been- like, it's like there's empty seats there. It's unfortunate. It's like for this really great team, you know, I, I did look. It's like you can get great seats for like 90 bucks and like a Lakers game in the same area would Costs you hundreds of dollars. It's it, the it difference is obscene. When was the last time you went as a fan? Do you do this regularly or no? No, sometime last year I did. Um, so it wasn't wasn't too long ago. But it feels. I mean, it's like as you know, like doing media stuff. Like sometimes it does feel weird uh, when you get into that rhythm. Of them just going sit and sitting in, in regular seats like we all did growing up. You know. Oh, I can't. I can't remember the last game I went to as a fan. Oh, a preseason game, but that, I mean, that doesn't particularly count. I guess I went to a preseason game. It was terrible. I hated it. <laughs> I, I said this, I said this to Joey last night, but it's like there, the game was tight, you know, Clippers won 90 to 88 and it's really close down the stretch. There's some close calls and there's a moment where like everybody's just sitting in their seats. Nobody's standing up. And I'm thinking to myself, like, how is nobody standing right now? This is a awesome finish. And then like the guy comes on the, the the jumbotron and he's like, everybody stand up. Nobody should be in their seats. And, you know, me coming from, you know, growing up, going to Celtics games with my dad and everything. Like I never, like, nobody ever had to tell you to stand up. People just did that and they were loud and crazy. And it's amazing seeing different fan bases. I think like Knicks games when the Knicks are good or like that, you know, or Oracle Arena when I've been there in the past and hopefully now with Chase Center, Golden State's like that, Oklahoma City, it's like that, Lakers games, it's like that, but there's just certain games where it's just not as intense and and I wish this team as great as the Clippers are and as for what it's worth, as great as their broadcast, uh, their their in-game presentation is, I wish, you know, the fans are a bit more intense. I wish there were more Clippers fans is what I'm trying to say. 
Well, one of the things that that was an example of last night is that even when Kawhi Leonard is out, and this is something we knew when they acquired Paul George, even when Kawhi Leonard is out, they can many times have the best player on the floor and they can have a closer. I mean, it is a luxury that, you know, the majority of the teams in the NBA do not have. And so, it's, look, any win that they get without Kawhi Leonard is a good win. Um, it, look, in these games where every night we're seeing 140 to 122, it, it's odd to see a game where neither team puts up big numbers. For sure. And, and, you know, and to touch on last night's game, it's also the type of thing where nobody really had a big game except for Montrose Harrell. Right. Paul George had 18 points on seven of 14, and they got some, you know, nice little contributions from their role players, but nobody had a great game except for really Harold. And with this Clippers team, to your original question about Kawhi, I don't get any sense that there's real concern about him, but I think this is this is what you knew you were getting with Kawhi Leonard when you signed him. You knew that there's concern of potential injury um, to his leg you do know that there's going to be a necessity to load manage him or simply just rest him because of the concerns about his injury that he's had since 2012. I mean, that quadriceps injury is something that originated in 2012, a long time ago. And it's still something that he had a problem with last season, the whole year with Toronto. I mean, I remember during the finals after a game, one of the games in Oakland, and Kawhi walked through the locker room afterwards. And this dude like has a limp sometimes like he's 60 years old and you don't see it on the court, but it, it just made me think in that moment, this guy's never going to be, he's never not going to have to deal with this. It's always going to be something. And that's been apparent so far this year. Obviously the knee injury is not the quad injury, but they are related. And, for him in the Clippers this year, it's only about having him healthy for April, May, and June. Um, but then the luxury, as you said, Chris, is having Paul George, a guy who can do a lot of the same things Kawhi does for you. So you can feel more comfortable resting Kawhi now that Paul George is back. Maybe if Kawhi, if Paul George isn't back at this point, Kawhi might be playing in that game. That that could have been the case. But all I know is I am really, really looking forward to seeing both of these guys actually play together, maybe Wednesday night when the Celtics come to Los Angeles to face the Clippers. That could be the first game we actually get to see how these guys coexist on the court. And my guess is it's going to be absolutely seamless because of the adaptable, flexible games that these guys have on the offensive end. And then on defense, just how both, just how they can both switch and defend multiple positions. It's going to be, Pretty pretty difficult for opposing teams to score against and stop on the offensive end. Yeah, I think when that when that acquisition was made, everybody's initial reaction was that is a great fit. I mean, Kawhi is a great fit with everybody. Anybody. As he, is, as a, is be, Paul George. He'd be, he'd be a great fit with me and you and Bobby. I think that <laughs> way about I think fit. that way about Paul George too. I think either one of them, you could put the, either one of them on any of the 30 teams. And it would not be some kind of big adjustment. They're great team basketball players, both of them. You know, they're plug and plays. Any team. Which is a weird thing to say for a star, right? It is. I, I think it is. I think that that that's a comment you typically make for a role player. Like this role player can plug and play anywhere yep. on any team. It's the stars that typically the, uh, the front office or the coaching staff needs to build around or structure their 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 system around. But these guys could play for literally any team and I don't think there would be much of a tra- transition even if it theoretically were to happen midseason just because they have such adaptable qualities in a way maybe that's because be- some stars when they emerge like we're seeing this right now with Luka Doncic this guy is just immediately becoming a superstar both Kawhi and Paul George had more of a slower upward trajectory they, they were they were high-end role players before they were stars and so they almost, in a, way, in a way, retain those qualities in their newfound superstardom. Speaking of Luca, this is getting ridiculous. Uh, the second youngest player with a 40-point triple-double last night in a 117-110 win over the Spurs. He had 42-12-11. He now Ooh. has wow. six triple-doubles in 13 games. He is averaging 9.2 assists per game, which is second in the NBA. 
and two full assists behind LeBron. LeBron's averaging 11 assists a game so far. Um, And last night, my favorite part was after the game, they asked Luka Doncic about feeling the ball go in so much early in that game and how that maybe foretold him having this monster game that he had. And he said that he, he went back to the hotel and he took a nap. And when he took a nap, he had a dream, Kevin. And he dreamed that he was going to score 16 points in the first quarter. And he scored 17 points in the first quarter. And he said, so I guess dreams do come true. <laughs> I mean, this guy, he, he took a nap in the middle of the day. The dream was that he was going to score 16. And he ends up scoring 17 in the first quarter and dreams come true. I thought I thought he said I guess dreams don't come true like he was making a joke. Oh, look at look at Luca with the jokes. Then I missed that. I thought he said I thought he said dreams come true. Um, <laughs> no. On the other side, dreams do not come true for San Antonio. That's six in a row, six in a row, and eight of nine that they have lost since starting off the season four and one. They are they are really in a tailspin. Um, before we get to the Spurs, can I just say this about Luca though? Yeah. But I mean, I know we've hit on him a ton this season, but uh, 10 days ago, I tweeted out Luca is a top 10 player already. And two weeks ago on the pod, I said the same thing. And at that point, just 10 to 14 days ago, a lot of people were like, oh, this is a hot take. This is hot. Really? This is hot for you. Yeah. A lot of people were like, no, no way. He's not a top 10 player already. At this point, like this dude is top three at worst in the MVP conversation. It's not even a question at 20 years old. What we're seeing right now from Luca is unbelievable, but it's really not too soon to say he's top 10 is not too soon to put him in the MVP conversation. It's because of games like last night, as we've seen many times this season. And as we saw flashes of last year as a rookie, as we saw flashes of in the past when he was playing overseas, this is the norm for Luka Doncic, and this may be the norm moving forward. It will be the norm moving forward for Luka. This guy is for real, man. This guy is for real. And at this point, I feel like saying top 10 feels like an obvious thing to say about Luka. Do you think that, um, well, look, one thing is he does need to have some playoff exploits. He does need to do that. Um, but sure. what he is doing yeah, so sure. far is absolutely insane. I mean, look, to to put him high on list right now is to put him above people that have proven it when it comes playoff time. Um, though I don't disagree. Right now, there are, are there 10 guys I would rather have on my team than Luka Doncic? The answer is no. And, I mean, you think you think Phoenix regrets? A year ago? I mean, it's not like there weren't people screaming from the rooftops that Luka Doncic was the guy and that Luka Doncic should go number one in the draft. And not only they, I mean, I, it seems like Atlanta is going to be very, very happy with Trey Young, right? Like, that's that's one of those. Sacramento, the Marvin Bagley thing hasn't gotten going yet. He was, he's been riddled by injury uh, last year, and then he's missed the beginning of this year. But... If you the could go, if you, Kings took Bagley over Luca to quote Jason Gallagher from uh, Hallelujah. Well, I mean, if you could go back in time, though, I mean, look, one guy has suspended twenty five games for using uh, performance enhancing drugs, and the other guy has uh, six triple doubles in the first thirteen games of the season in his second year. I feel like the the triple double talk. It, I think it in a way devalued what Russ could do. It, it devalues what Luca can do. It is so much more than just hitting 10 points. And I mean, in 10 assists and 10 rebounds, it's, it's the way in which the player performs and what Luke is doing. It goes beyond just triple double. Um, I don't know. I, I think with Russ a couple of years ago, it almost became something where it was like, it became a negative against him where people were like, oh, triple double, who cares about the stats? And I hope it doesn't become that with Luca like it did with yeah, Russ. Yeah, look, I, and, I'm, and we, we argued this for years. It's because people don't like Russell Westbrook. That's the truth. Sure, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, I, sure. go to, I, go to, I go to games, I go to 50 games a year. You know how many triple doubles I see? 
like I could count on my hand in 50 games. And uh, for a guy to average that is just insanity. Insanity. It is, ins- it is insane. But, but I think it's different sides of the same coin, Chris. When it comes to Westbrook, our arguments at the time, typically, like you rightfully so, we're both amazed by the num- raw numbers he's putting up. But Part of me, you know, it's like I wish sometimes there were more focus on the other areas of his game. Like I wish he could improve his scoring efficiency. You would talk about some of his weaknesses on the positive side. It's like how much progress he made as a playmaker was astounding. And sometimes the numbers can reflect that, but oftentimes they don't. And with Luca, it's it's the same thing. It's like there's a lot of talk about the triple doubles. Like last night, there was a great statistic that Tim McMahon from ESPN tweeted out that Luka Doncic joined LeBron as the only players in NBA history to score 40 points and triple doubles as 20-year-olds. It's crazy. Magic, Isaiah Thomas, and Oscar Robinson were the only other players to do that at age 21. Like, that's a great stat. But also, so what if he got 11 rebounds or 8? So what if he got 12 assists or just 9? I, I don't think the 10 is necessarily the number that matters as much as just the fact that this guy is doing putting putting these numbers up consistently, but also in the manner in which he's doing it. Luca last night, some of the passes that he made, these are not empty assists. They're not empty rebounds. These are it's it's like we had an article by Rob Mahoney yesterday on the ringer about the value in having Luca be a good rebounder because he's able to jumpstart possessions on offense rather than oh, waiting for an outlet pass. And this is what I'm getting at. Oh. And this is what I'm getting at. And with Russell Westbrook for years, people said that he's just hunting for rebounds. Sometimes there was cases where he was, but there was also value in him actually being a good oh, rebounder. Wait, wait. My, people my point said is, that or you said that people. My point is, is that I wish sometimes rather than just talking about the triple double, we talk about the, the quality in which, I know. I know you wish that. I know you wish that because you crapped on triple doubles when Russell Westbrook was doing it. And so now you have to devalue it with no with Russ. For me, it's amazing in both cases. My my problem with Russ then and still is now is the decision making and the poor shot selection and the poor shooting, the, the, the lack of defense, the unwillingness to cut. That was my issue with Russ. The, the rebounding the rebounding mattered the the passing was remarkable because he got better every single year as a passer in the scoring you know there is good parts there is bad parts with Luca the defense needs to get better there's no doubt about that but he's already one of the best playmakers in the league already one of the best decision makers in the league already a really good rebounder and the scoring the, the three point shot still needs to get better but he takes so much off the dribble from three and he still has good overall shot selection that there's very little to knock him for in that regard. The thing these two teams do have in common, uh, Westbrook, when he put up those kind of numbers at Doncic, is that you know these teams would be no good without them. And so they almost need what they bring to the table yeah. every night. All right, Kevin, we'll get right back to it. First, I want to remind everybody, today's show brought to you by Roman. For two-thirds of guys experiencing noticeable hair loss by age 35, most guys assume losing their hair is inevitable as they age. Some don't care. Some shave their heads. Some embrace hats. What they don't know is that they're FDA-approved medications designed to stop hair loss and even regrow hair. That's why we're excited to partner with our sponsor, Roman. Roman makes it easy to get safe, FDA-approved hair loss treatment all from your phone or computer. And when you go to GetRoman.com slash RingerNBA, your online visit is free. Consult with a U.S. licensed physician through the secure online platform. No awkward conversations with the receptionist or reading bad magazines in the waiting room. Once your doctor ensures that treatment will be safe and effective for you, Roman's dedicated pharmacy can ship your medication to you in free two-day shipping in discreet packaging. If you're noticing unwanted hair loss, starting treatment early is key and Roman can help. And today, Roman is giving the Ringer NBA show listeners a free online visit at GetRoman.com slash RingerNBA. That's GetRoman.com slash RingerNBA for a free visit to get started. Go to GetRoman.com slash RingerNBA. Today's show also brought to you by Privacy.com. When it's game day, you can't be fumbling your wallet to pay for a food order or worrying about online security when paying for tickets to the next game. And with Christmas coming up... 
Nobody wants to worry about online security. Privacy.com is the best way to pay for anything online because it keeps your identity totally safe and secure. Privacy.com is different because it uses virtual cards instead of real ones. This is a free tool that will help you manage your financial life online without sharing your real banking information. When we buy things online, we give our personal info, not only to merchants, but also their data partners without our clear consent. Head to privacy.com slash NBA to sign up. New customers will automatically get $5 to spend on your first purchase. Yep, that's free money for any online purchase. Go to privacy.com slash NBA and sign up now. So the Spurs are on the other side of this. Um, They have not reached this level of utility since like the year before Duncan. So I'm going back to like 1997 since we have seen this kind of losing from San Antonio, who has, of course, been a hallmark of success for now working on 25, 30 years. Um, Jeez, we talked about them last week, and I went and looked it up this morning. They are 28th in defensive efficiency in the NBA, 28th out of 30 teams, which is just absolutely stunning to me. If there's anything with a team like that, you would think that, you know, a, a, a Popovich team, that that's the kind of team that would that would grind you down. They play a lot of half-court basketball or seemingly are are willing to or have been for so many years. But for them to be that bad defensively is truly stunning, even if it is early in the season still. Well, I mean, you got LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, 53 years old in the court, DeMar DeRozan, who has never been known for his defense. Uh, it's really fascinating how a team with the two best you know, two of the best perimeter defenders in the league and DeJounte Murray and Derek White, of which they barely ever play together. It's weird that a a team with those two guys is not good defensively. It either raises the question of how much does perimeter defense matter in the context of the having an overall great defense? Is it the rim protector that is most important in that sense? And in that regard, Aldridge is not a potent rim protector. Or... Is it more about, like we touched on last week, Chris, after the article I wrote, that you have someone like DeRozan who, for all the good things he can do on offense, his placement on the roster does mean that you aren't able to play Derek White and DeJounte Murray together as often as you possibly can. Two great perimeter defenders, two young up-and-coming point guards on the offensive end. I think the Spurs, as I said last week, need to look at moving DeRozan and or Aldridge and start just bringing this youth movement, man, and start focusing on development. You're not going to make the playoffs. The season's over. San Antonio is not going to make the postseason for the first time in 22 years. The season's over. They're five and nine, aren't they? (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) The season is over. I mean, look. It's Chris. It's, you know, whose time it is now? It's the bright now suns. That's oh, time good grief. <laughs> Look, all of this stuff can happen within a couple of days. Everything can change. I wonder, I, I wonder if they should look. Popovich is not going to be around all that long, right? So he's only got a couple more years that he's probably going to be on that sideline. Well, this How could about be this? last year? Or hey, know. hey, all right. Wait for this one. How about this one? Hear me out, okay? Could they be, and they never make in-season trades? Could they be a destination for Chris Paul? No, that, that, that's dumb. No, that would be the worst move imaginable for them. But, but like, to, well, just because he's thirty-four years old and he's not bringing this team anywhere. The, Derek White and Dejounte Murray. How many minutes do you think they've played together this season, Chris? How many I minutes? Have, I have no idea. Just, but just I f- throw, just throw a number out. Just I feel like you're. Out. I feel like you're greatly overrating those two players anyway. But um. I'll say they played a uh, hundred minutes, seven minutes together. Seven. They've played seven minutes together, and and you know what? Maybe I am greatly overrating them. These guys are great defensive players. Period. They already are at twenty three years old for for Dejounte Murray and twenty five for Derek White. They are great defensive guards. Offensively. We'll see. I'm not sure how good these guys really are. Dejounte Murray, he can motor the ball up the court and transition, and, and you know he can score at the rim, can make some passes to his teammates. But in the half court, he's 
he's close to a zero. He can't shoot threes. He's inefficient out, away from two, two, three feet away from the rim. He's got like Ben Simmons disease. He can't score away from the, the rim. And then Derek White, he's a, a good shooter on a low volume, but he's not a high volume guy. He's more of a role player s guard for you. Neither of those guys are standout offensive players, except for DeJounte Murray in transition, which is like 15% of offense. Transition, I know, I know like transition is fun. It's awesome to watch. But I think oftentimes when we talk about Oh, he's an amazing player on the break. Every player across the league, it makes up like 15 to 20% of your offensive possessions for a team. It's a small part of the offensive equation. And so both these guys, to your point, Chris, they may be overrated overall as prospects. I just would like to see those guys actually develop and play together more often to really develop them together and see what these guys really have and you know, then get something back for DeRozan and or Aldridge and then start building this young team out. Cause right now this is a team that's just stuck in the middle. This team could, maybe they slip into the postseason as a seven or an eight seed. I would bet against it. Okay. But here's my problem. Okay. With you wanting to move on from the good players to, you know, start, start building. Well, build, build around what? You're building around your whole youthful core. You're building what? around. You're building with a future focus. DeRozan has but a you player gotta option. Have a player DeRozan, to, you got to have some DeRozan players to build has a around. player option. DeRozan has a player option for next year. Do you really want him to pick that up? Maybe you do. Maybe you want to build around DeRozan. I don't. I want him gone. Aldridge, he had he ha- had his guaranteed his deal part partially guaranteed for next year. His one year left on his deal at 50 years old. I'm not sure I want to build around Aldridge moving forward. I'm not sure that's the guy. He's going to turn forward. He's not 50. He turns 35 next summer. I don't know. Aldridge looks like a liability on the defensive end of the floor. Sometimes he has games where he pops for 35 points, but he also looks like a guy that can't bring in any every single night anymore. I'm not sure these are the guys that I want to be spending 30 minutes a game investing in just to be an eight seed and get whacked in the first round. I'm not sure I want that reality for the Spurs. I want a reality where a team can have a sustainable future and that means investing in the future that's what i want for san antonio you might want to be fine with a seven or an eight seed i don't want that i don't know what they're gonna have to show for the Kawhi leonard deal i mean that was always the idea they get nothing they get nothing for it they get nothing they they traded Kawhi leonard for two years of demar DeRozan and tiago splitter 2.0 one of the worst deals we've seen in recent history <laughs> oh my goodness you're calling Jakob portal tiago 3.0 <laughs> Oh. That's, that's that's not really a knock. Splitter splitters a champion in the block on <laughs> LeBron. <laughs> that's it. It's not splitters it's, a champion. It, you know what? I guess if we're if we're just gonna go with raw facts, you're right. I'm not I mean, sure per, the level per, of I'm not look, sure the level okay. of contribution, but yeah, I mean that's sort of my the thing though. It's like you could Pirtle Pirtle's a role player, and they traded Kawhi and Danny Green. By the way, like sometimes I feel like I forget that um, Kawhi and Danny Green for DeRozan and Pirtle. And by the way, this is no reason to bash the Spurs for that decision with having the benefit of hindsight. But I remember at the time there was a lot of shock across the league that that was the deal they ended up taking because they were demanding more from other teams across the league that were building their offers around younger players and it's fascinating in hindsight i wonder i wonder what san antonio i understand the logic in wanting a proven guy into rosen for some of the reasons you're touching on chris wanting to continue to compete wanting to build around a young group that can continue winning and by the way last year this team was really good it was a good team last year and this year yeah i think they're still going to be in it in the playoff bubble I'm not sure they end up making it this year, but they're going to be at least in it. I think there's logic to that towards the end of Greg Popovich's coaching career. But I do wonder if at all there could be any regret and not taking a young, a younger based package. I I would keep DeMar. I mean, he's, he's 30. He's not 35. Just 34. Can I, can I ask why? I'm just curious. Why? What's your reason for wanting to, so DeMar DeRozan, let's say, I know this is going to be crazy. No, wait, wait, wait for it. Watch this. This is going to be super crazy. What I say, right? The reason I want to keep him is because he's really good and you need really good players. 
And if you get rid of him, I'm unsure that you get somebody that is really good. <laughs> this is pretty simple stuff. Why do I want to get rid of him? I mean, you may not think that DeMar DeRozan's really good. I'm aware. You don't think DeRozan's really good. I do. I mean, he is good. He had 36 last night, but for God's sakes. He, he, he is good, but being good doesn't make you right. What? He, he, he doesn't make you right for your given circumstances, your given situation. Sometimes it's just not the right time to have that player in your life cycle as a franchise. And I don't think having 30-year-old DeMar DeRozan right now is for the best for the San Antonio Spurs. I think building with a young, gritty roster and the type of system they want to build with moving forward, in addition to losing a lot of games and having a higher odds at a high draft pick and getting that next guy. I'm just, uh, I'm just, I'm just unsure who you're building around. Dude, you, you said the same shit when it came to the Grizzlies. I don't know why I would trade Mark Gasol and Mike Conley, and now you're all about John Morant and Jared Jackson and, and all these guys. You said the same stuff. They made the playoffs and the Western Conference Finals. Seven yeah, I, years. I know I know that, but but my point is, is what I'm saying to blow up the Grizzlies, you're like, no, no what are you going to build around? Well, you, ha- you find new players to build around. That's what happens in sports. There's players come, players come, players go. Comparing San Antonio to the Grizzlies is might be the, the most foolish thing I've ever heard. These situations are, are obviously oh massively different. I'm simply comparing your statement of saying, I don't know who you're going to build around, so I don't want to lose to Martin And I'm saying you said the same thing with Marcus Hull and Mike Conley. And my point then was, and it is now in regards to San Antonio, you find new guys to build around. That's the key, finding the right guys to build around to sustain winning rather than re-signing or, or, or having him opt in a 30-year-old player who's good but isn't necessarily the right guy for what you want to be as a franchise. Okay. That's well, all. Get, all right. So here's the truth. And I hate to tell you this. You have to then base your franchise on getting lucky. That's what you have to do. Because allow me to remind it's you not just that, that the Grizzlies were supposed to give their pick away. They're supposed to give their pick away in the draft. They're supposed to give their pick away to the uh, Boston Celtics. All right. So let's say the odds played out and they gave their pick away. You tell me what kind of situation they're in right now. They got lucky, and so they got the number two pick on a long shot. And so now it looks like, oh, they got uh, great to build around, right? But if they would have given away that pick, they, they wouldn't have even had a draft pick. Then what do they have? I don't, I don't know what this alternate reality looks like, but I do know the facts. They wouldn't have John Morant. For sure. And that would and suck. Then, and then but, what do they but look they, like? But they, but they would have their 2021 unprotected first round pick. And maybe this reality would be worse. In fact, it probably would be worse. Maybe. But I don't know. They, but they still would have their unprotected, unprotected 2021 first round pick. Because as of now, they could be giving that away. They could give that away. And with Memphis, I think this reality that they have is much better. But that alternate reality doesn't necessarily mean it's horrible. They could still get a great player at that point. It just not, might not happen as soon as you would have hoped for. Well, and then that would have been five years and no free agents want to come. And I mean, I, I just I, I, I don't agree with bottoming out. I think it's a fool's errand. And it's, for you, I'm and not, for you to, I'm not, and for I'm you not to say saying, that you just I get never, lucky. Don't don't. I'm not saying the Spurs should tank. All I'm saying is is trade DeMar DeRozan and maybe LaMarcus Aldridge too. You're going to suck and you might have like the fifth worst record or the fourth worst record. Maybe you end up sucking enough to have the worst record. I don't know, but it's not like the Spurs team isn't not going to compete. I just, I just like, don't like look they, at they, this. They, like this team still has good. I feel like you're doing, I feel like you're doing this because you predicted them at the beginning no. of the season, not to, but the, the Western Conference, the way it has shaken what, what out I so predict, far, what I predict like, has nothing to do with anything. I don't care I mean, about being wrong. But what I'm saying, in fact, fa- in, fact, in fact, I like being wrong. It's good right to be wrong. now. Well, please cut that up, Bobby. Um, that's a great <laughs> clip. You're good at it. Um, this, look, <laughs> I'm not fi- as good as you are at it, Chris. Right now, <laughs> right now, they are three games back from the playoffs, which is Minnesota is in the eight seed. The way things have shaken out. So far this year, we have lost teams that, all right, at least one 
is in dire straits. So we had marked up the Warriors as a playoff team, and they ain't a playoff team this year. The Blazers, we had marked as a playoff team, and at least through the first 14 games, they're five and nine so far. And so you've got those two teams. So I look at it and I say, there's there's places there. Once you get past the Lakers, Rockets, Nuggets, Clippers, and Jazz, those five teams, somebody's going to have to be three or six through eight. And you look right now and it's pretty wide open. I mean, who do you believe in the most? The Mavericks, the Suns, the T-Wolves? Those are all playoff teams as of today. Which of those teams do you believe in the most? Mavs, Suns, T-Wolves? The Mavericks? Of course, I okay. believe in them the most. It's not even, not even close. They have a potential MVP on their roster. All right. And then once you get past there, it's like a bunch of losing records. Everybody, yeah, that, 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 that's, that's what I mean. The Spurs are on the playoff bubble. And, and I'm just saying, like, you're, you're always, we never know the way this stuff is going to play out. And yeah, so but my, my point, my point is like, yes, they could make the playoffs that yes, they could as a six, seven or eight seed. Whoop. They do. They lost in a game seven to the two seed last year. Why are we acting like they're so far off? Like, oh, they'll just get in the playoffs and get bounced. Like they lost to the two seed in a game seven. So all, 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 all I'm because saying they is, started all, off five and nine, look, okay. we should get rid of their good players. Okay, and- look, look, you're you're looking you're looking at this season for San Antonio. I'm looking at the next ten years. That's the difference. I'm thinking for San Antonio right now with Demar Derozan, he can become a free agent next summer. Is it more beneficial to keep him and maybe slip into the playoffs, or is it more beneficial to? At, Maybe you don't make a trade, but at least explore trades. I don't know what's out there for DeMar. There wasn't much of a market for him when the Spurs traded for him. That's why there was so much shock when it actually happened. But at least thinking about and exploring the idea internally, I think that's the right thing to do for this franchise. And I I have a hard time understanding how like you are so firmly against that when the in the long term, DeMar can leave next summer. He could choose to leave. And you could lose him for nothing. So, like, you don't might not have a choice to keep him. He may choose to leave. And for San Antonio, I'm saying because they're just a bubble team, because they're a team that's in all likelihood not going to make much noise in the postseason, it's at least reasonable to think about trading him. And same goes for LaMarcus Aldridge, who turns 35 next year with one year left on his deal. And maybe, just maybe, in a market, in a trade market right now where there's nobody available. There's nobody relevant on the market. Maybe if you were to plop LaMarcus Aldridge on the block and say, hey, we're willing to trade DeRozan or Aldridge, maybe for San Antonio, some team out there that actually feels like they have a shot is going to be like, we need that guy. And maybe they overpay for that player. And for San Antonio, maybe that becomes a more beneficial decision for them to make rather than keeping them. That's my only point. My only point is that San Antonio is needs to and is looking at more than just this season. It's not just about making the postseason. It's about building a sustainable winner that is best positioned for success over the next decade, not just sneaking into the postseason in the 1920 season. This is about 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023. It's not about bottoming out. It's about sustaining success and exploring all your options. That's my only point, Chris. That's it. Because you think you can get something good for DeMar DeRozan right now that would sustain that success. Maybe you or, can. Or LaMarcus Maybe you Aldridge. can. Yeah, especially because, especially because the nature of the trade market. Right now, nobody's available. Nobody good is available. So maybe if you put a guy who, to your point, in your own words, DeRozan is good, and Aldridge still has nice moments as well. Maybe if that guy gets put on the market, you have multiple teams that are like, we need that guy to take advantage of our situation this year to have a shot. I don't know what team that would be, but there's a handful of teams out there that can make moves. Even somebody like Dallas, theoretically, if they're like, we get a maximize this year with Luca or Boston, which could use a big man. There's a handful of teams out there or Indiana. I don't know. Orlando. Maybe one of these teams is like, this is a guy that can help put us over the top. You don't think there's any way that they could keep those two and enhance that. I mean, sure, you could you could go that way. That was the the. Point I just don't the, look at it like my, they're my, the my, problem. I, I I don't think the rest of these guys are all that good. 
it's not that they're the problem. It's that they're just maybe not part of the solution in the grand scheme of the franchise. That's what I mean. Like DeRozan is a good player. And I think, I think it's a shame with DeRozan that he gets knocked for not shooting threes. Like that's a, that's an, that's an issue in his own game that he doesn't shoot threes for a lot of reasons, but he's also, you know, it's an issue that he isn't a good defender, but he's a really good, he's transformed himself into a really good playmaker. And that showed last season when San Antonio put the ball in his hands after DeJounte Murray went down DeRozan in the pick and roll and in isolations and post-ups too became a really good playmaker for that team in the, in this, in their scheme of ball movement. And he can become a guy who scores for you at the end of the clock. There's value in that. Aldridge too. Maybe he has slowed down defensively. Maybe he doesn't bring it offensively every single night. And he has some, you know, annoyingly annoying, frustrating games for Spurs fans, but he can still have big games for you as a scoring post presence. These guys are still good. My point is that maybe it's just not the right time for them with San Antonio, but for another team, like it was for Marcus Gasol last year with Toronto. Maybe they can be that really good piece that a team adds and it can potentially put them over the top. And for San Antonio, I think there's logic to at least considering moving these guys or exploring trading these guys because you could get more than you might expect to get because there's nobody else out there. For San Antonio, it's not just about the season. It's about the next 10 years. All right. Well, look, luckily, we're going to do podcasts all year. We'll reconvene on this when they're 30 games in. They're five and, and the, nine yeah, right now. Yeah. And, and when they're in the sixth seed and you're like, ha ha, I told you so. I'm going to say I still feel the same exact way. Oh, you think they're going to be in the sixth seed? And I, I'm going no, to get to no, say no, I told no, no. you. <laughs> no, you, I mean, <laughs> you, might, you, might, you might get a chance, but I'm still going to feel the same exact way. I've got to imagine their 28th in the NBA in defense is not going to stay that way. I just refuse to believe that. I don't, I, dude. I mean, that's, I, I mean, know. that's miserable. 28. Aldridge isn't moving the same way on defense right now. I thought Aldridge was pretty solid last year on the defensive end. Like, I was almost like impressed at, at then 33 years old um, doing what he did. Uh, this year, he does not look good on that end of the floor. All right, Kevin, we'll get right back to it. Want to remind everybody today's show brought to you by Brilliant Earth. Create your own one of a kind engagement ring from a variety of ethically sourced diamonds, gemstones, metal types, and settings with Brilliant Earth. Brilliant Earth has exclusive, unique designs you can't find anywhere else, brought to life by master jewelers. They also offer wedding rings, earrings, bracelets, and necklaces. Brilliant Earth is also the global leader in ethically sourced fine jewelry. They offer beyond conflict free diamonds along with fine jewelry crafted from recycled precious metals, and they donate 5% of profits to help build a brighter future in communities impacted by the jewelry industry. To make your Brilliant Earth purchasing experience as stress-free as possible, they offer free shipping and returns on all orders. They also offer flexible payment options, including easy monthly payments from 0% APR financing. Order today for delivery by Christmas and receive a surprise gift with the purchase of an engagement ring. To see terms for this special offer and to shop all of Brilliant Earth selections, go to BrilliantEarth.com slash RingerNBA. That's BrilliantEarth.com slash RingerNBA. James Harden last night uh, scored 36 and didn't hit his average. And that should tell you how insane it is what he is doing so far. Is that he's averaging 39 points a game. Um, and I do think we need to say for a moment, look, this has they've started off 11 and three. They've won eight games in a row. And if the questions were the two highest usage guys in the NBA, how are they going to coexist and flourish in tandem? Um, Harden has been enhanced, which I thought would be I, I am higher on what Russell Westbrook than most of my peers. I still didn't think that Harden's numbers would go up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that is one thing that I would have really bet against, that the numbers would go up for James Harden. You figured that his would take a dip in this, but uh, once again, Russell Westbrook plays next to somebody that is flourishing greatly. He did it for Paul George last year. Uh, he did it for Durant for many years, including, um, and 
I, Kevin, I didn't see this one coming. I didn't know how it was all going to work. I thought it would either be devastating or a disaster. It appears it is devastating. Um, certainly offensively, it's devastating. And we'll get to how it holds up defensively as the season goes on. But Harden's numbers going up is not something I saw coming. Did you? Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I, it's, it's fascinating because his assists have stayed the same. Uh, 7.5 last year to 7.6 this season. But like you said, the scoring has gone up, and that that's that's quite shocking. I thought Westbrook would dig into that a lot more than he actually has. Uh, I, I it's and it's interesting how it's happened too. It, it's it's not like the Rockets are running. I would have expected, and maybe at some point they will, D'Antoni to run more, you know, like double high screens with Westbrook handling and Harden popping for threes, more off ball stuff. But no, it's it's pretty much just as much just as much isolation and pick and roll for Harden as it was last year. It's just now instead of Chris Paul standing in the corner and watching, it's uh, Russell Westbrook standing and watching. Well, and the craziest thing is you've got Harden, Westbrook, Capella. Capella's having a great season uh, so far. And then with Gordon out, I mean, it's like Daniel House and then P.J. Tucker, Austin Rivers. Once you get past that and, you know, you get those guys healthy, you don't play a ton of guys when it comes to uh, playoff time, but it it gets light after that. I mean, this is the Harden-Westbrook show and every night. I mean, good God, 39 points a game is crazy. And Westbrook said, don't, you know, he, he, this quote's everywhere today. Don't normalize what Harden's doing. I don't think anybody's normalizing it. Like <laughs> 39 points a game is insane. The only guy that's averaged more than that, if this were to hold up even close to this, is like two Wilt Chamberlain seasons. We've never Unreal. seen this before. Yeah, it's it's and it's I mean, you and I have discussed this many times and Harden has a game that a lot of people don't like. They just don't like the way Harden plays. And I I find that to be a shame because what we're seeing is some all time great stuff on the offensive end of the floor. He is a player who every single season defenses have tried to find new ways to defend him, to stop him. And he constantly adds to his game, improving his floater adding variations to his step back threes and his sidestep threes, continuing to master the art of scoring around the rim by adding more touch finishes, improving from scoring at different angles, improving at drawing fouls for that matter. He is somebody who every single season has never been complacent with his greatness as a player who is a all-star for seven consecutive seasons. He got better. He got better again. It's well, I really think the remarkable. people that don't like it, the people that don't like it are that fancy like basketball you. is a team sport. And when a guy has 25 field goal attempts and 14 and a half free throw attempts a game, <laughs> you do a lot of watching one player. Yeah, you do. And some people enjoy watching one player play basketball. There, there was a, a great clip of uh, PJ Tucker standing in the corner. This was, this was at the end of the, um, Rockets Timberwolves game. Uh, Rockets are up 14 points <laughs> with about a minute 40 left in the game. And Harden, this is the play where he danced against, I think, uh, who is it? A Kogi on Minnesota, if I remember correctly. Harden right. danced, dribbled the ball for like 10, 15 seconds straight. And PJ Tucker, if you watch that replay in the bottom right of the screen, he's holding a conversation with a fan the entire possession. The entire <laughs> possession. <laughs> okay. And Harden's dancing and shooting a three. So to your point, Chris, some people don't find enjoyment in watching that. I found it quite hilarious and quite enjoyable. Some guys don't enjoy it. A guy that is on his own team is so bored he needs to find somebody to talk to. I don't know while the was, game is know, going. I don't up. know if he was bored. Uh, he he. I think he was talking trash. Like at, oh, okay. at, after after Harden hit the shot, he kind of put his hands up like a like an "I told you so" type of thing. Oh, that's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah. All right. So uh, the last thing I saw Denver in person over the weekend, and it just I, I do want to give them a shout out because what I saw from them, especially in the second quarter, was absolutely devastating. Um. The best performance I have seen uh, this year as an opposing team that came to Memphis, uh, the most impressed I have been 
with the team uh, this year. And Denver, you know, what stands out so much about them, Kevin, is we talk so much about lack of depth for so many of these teams. Once you get past three and four guys, bro, they bring off so many good players. I mean, they are just loaded. They have such depth. And, you know, in the playoffs, it comes down to who the best guy is. And Jokic does not look the same, by the way. He looks more uh, oafy this year. Well he, well, he is. He gained weight. Yeah, he and he looks it. Um, he he gained about eight pounds, something like that. But they have a ton of they have a ton of guys that come off their bench. Usually, when people bring in their benches, there's some guys on there that you're like, "Who's that guy? Who's that guy?" Right? Um, that is not true with them. They're loaded. Denver fits your rule. It's a just add guys who don't suck, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, right. Maximum amount of guys that don't suck. Yeah, right. <laughs> and and they have it now. I don't know. What, what, Jamal Murray could have had sixty points in the game I went to. He was just absolutely out of control. Awesome. Uh, but I mean, it's really going to come down to Murray. How big of a star can Murray be when it comes playoff time? Because he's kind of their guy. Because. You just got to hope Jokic gets in better shape by that time. He still is such a talent that he's going to be able to put up numbers, but damn, he's Ophi. That would that would that would make me mad if I'm a Nuggets fan. Like, how are you going to come back in worse shape? How? <laughs> how? How are you come back in worse shape? Like these guys are all everybody around the league's getting in better shape. You come back in worse shape? That's not fair. Yeah, he he. Look, I love Jokic. One of my favorite players to watch. We in our lifetimes, Chris, have not seen many passers at the level that, that he's at, even when he is Ophi, as you're saying. <laughs> but this dude, one of, my, one of my buddies texted me during the game. He said, How does Jokic run? I said, He doesn't. It's kind of like a light jog into a walk most of the time. If he can get to where he could run by playoff time, maybe it'll be, be all right. All right. What are you going to be working on next? Uh, working on a couple different things over for over the next week. Uh, looking for, I'll have something on the website tomorrow. Now, do you think that uh, the whole Spurs thing is is this kind of deep seated with the you know rivalry with Serrano a little bit? Maybe no, no. I, I just mean, feel I like want, you got. I feel really. like you got very passionate about a team that I would not expect you to get passionate about. For, for by the way, like congrats to Shea for being on Jesus and Miro on, on a Monday night. I've not watched that episode yet because I was at the game, but I look forward to seeing Shea on Jesus and Miro. Oh, okay. I, I, I've got it. I've got it taped too. That was Monday night? Yeah, Monday night, yeah. Okay, I got to go back and yep. watch that. Yep. Kevin, it is always a pleasure. I will talk to you on Friday. Have a good day, Chris. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of The Mismatch. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars, five stars really helps. And we will talk to you on Friday.